Hi there, there's Talk Sports fans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of uh, this Talk Sports Fantasy Football Phone In. And we've got a pack show and opening the show up with us is Brian Larson, my co host for today. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely, Dan. I, I love these call in shows and I can't wait to start answering some questions from uh, the community. Um, so I'm here, which. Um, Matty's first up, um, so um, I know he's got a question and we've got such a packed show, there's storm clouds in the air from what I understand from what Ryan tells me. Yeah, if I drop out, I will be joining again momentarily by uh, cell phone, so uh, just bear with me if that happens, guys. Yeah, will do. Um, so I want to welcome in Matty of course most people probably seeing him in the comments and um, he's in our fantasy league so several of the 49ers community probably know who Matty is already thanks for joining us today Matty. Yeah thank you for having me man uh, on on yesterday on today uh, twice in two days you must be struggling for guests uh, but I'll uh, I'll take it thank you for <laughs> no thank you for having me man it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here again. No, no problem at all, sir. Everyone keep your eye out for Matty's channel. He does F1 content, Chelsea content, and he's going to be on our Roku channel, so keep your eye out for that. And before we get to Matty's question, I just want to um, dedicate this episode and say I think both Matty and Ryan will agree with me that our thoughts is with... John Menchie, of course, will receive at the Texans. Um, for anyone that don't know, being diagnosed with leukemia. So um, I'm sure the whole community's thoughts are with him at this time. Yeah, absolutely. That was some hard news to get because, and, and not just for fantasy football purposes, because we like him as a, as a player and had high hopes for him. But anybody that gets a, a cancer diagnosis, you, you know, you pray for and you feel terrible for. So speedy recovery. Hopefully everything's well by the sounds of it. it uh, you know, he should be okay as long as he gets his treatment and be ready to go by next year. So fingers crossed for that. And, uh, you know, rest up, get well, man. Yeah, I think it's just so like crazy and scary, isn't it? When something happens to like an athlete like that, because I think you look at them as like the, you know, like some of the fittest people in the world. So when stuff like that happens, it's it's uh, kind of scary. But uh, yeah, totally echoes Ryan's uh, statement there. I just you know hope he gets better soon and uh, is all good moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it just brings it home that um, it touches everyone from all sorts of walks of life I know from experience but um, at least he's got early by all accounts all information is that they've caught it early and it's fitting strong so I'm sure his mentality how he plays the game will help him fight it so yeah I'm sure we all wish him the best of luck and um, before we get to Matty's question um, a live comment we don't often get Crutch comments, um, but um, yeah, um, digs B T uh, W7 says, What's up? So, um, yeah, we thank you for your support. So, um, Matty, I know you've got a question based on being a bit newer to not just fantasy but the NFL. What's uh, your question for us? So, I guess, uh, I've done different fantasy things before uh so i've done like an f1 fantasy thing this year uh i've done like premier league fantasy this year for like english football uh but this is my first time doing an nfl fantasy league um last season was like my first proper season actually following the nfl and i listened to a lot of podcasts so i'd like to think i kind of semi know what i'm talking about uh ish probably not uh feel free to let me know if i don't because uh, i probably don't uh but um yeah i guess i just want to ask is there like anything I need to look out for as like a first time of fantasy football there are any like curveballs that I'm not thinking about like uh, I know a couple of the guys in the league I'm with already have already mentioned that I needed two quarterbacks just in case one of mine had a bye week which I didn't think about at all um so yeah I guess just as a newcomer is there anything that I wouldn't have thought of that I maybe needed to 
take into account or need to think about going forward? First thing I always try to <clears throat> help newer people understand is make sure you look over your scoring format the most. That's the first thing you definitely want to do because if you're in a league where they it's just standard, no points per uh, reception or catch, if you will, no points per catch, no half points per catch, that that it changes the way that you kind of think about taking certain wide receivers because you could uh, reach for a slot receiver in a PPR league, which is a, a full point per reception, like uh, Hunter Renfro or Jamison Crowder from Buffalo, uh, Braxton Berrios from uh, the Jets. You could you could draft those guys a little bit earlier than normal because they're going to accrue more points because they're catching the ball at a higher rate, not nearly as uh, you know not nearly as explosive as say like a Mike Evans who he's only going to catch the ball 80 times, but he goes for over a thousand yards because he's catching them 20, 25 yards down the field every time. But that that's the first thing I, I try to get people, you know, know your, know your leagues of, uh, you know, scoring format, know what the roster is supposed to be like when you start it. Um, if you have like one or two flex spots, you, you really want to make sure that you're, you know, hammering home depth at RB and wide receiver grabbing a second quarterback isn't always the worst idea. It's not, it's also not always necessary. If you grab Josh Allen or you draft someone that's in the top five, top 10, you don't need a second quarterback because you're not going to be playing them only the one week that, you know, you have a bye week. There's waiver wire. You can drop a player uh, during that bye week and stream off the waiver wire, pick up a guy who's in it playing a, against a crappy defense. Doesn't really matter what quarterback it is as long as they're competent and you'll be fine. So my, my biggest suggestion would be make sure you load up on depth at RB and wide receiver. Don't go crazy early on a quarterback um, within like the first four rounds. It's almost never a good value. Even if it is Josh Allen, who's going like the second on average, it's not the greatest value when you uh, kind of compare him to the rest of the league. And uh, you don't have to overload your bench with a bunch of backup positions to uh, positions that you only have to start one of. So quarterbacks and tight ends, you only got to start one of. You don't need a ton of backups for them as long as you have a good one. If you draft really late and take a quarterback in like the 12th round, sure, grab a second one just to see which one is better after the first couple of weeks. But um, generally, you don't have to take a backup position to that. And if you have kickers and defenses, you don't have to roster two of them when you start the season. You'll be switching those guys out every couple of weeks, most likely, because you could have the best defense in the world. But if you're going to be put if you're going to be playing them against, uh, you know, Buffalo, I don't care how good your defense is. That defense probably isn't scoring a lot that week. So that that's the best advice I can give to you. Just know your scoring format, know your roster setup, and really hammer depth at the RB wide receiver position because they're the ones that are going to be the highest turnover positions when it comes to injury and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, you know what? That actually makes me feel a lot better. Uh, I did go Josh Allen as quarterback, so uh, I'm – Cool. I'm feeling good. I've got, I feel like I've got some brownie points in the bag. Um, I do just have a quick follow-up question then, because I feel like I've been trying to pitch this to everyone because I want to know if I've actually got good value. Uh, so I think as a total, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, I think each roster's got like 15 slots, right? Um, I, I think it's 15. Um, yeah. Now, for my last pick in the draft, I thought I went for one that was a little bit spicy because I know he's injured and I know he doesn't actually have a team currently. Uh, I went for Odell Beckham Jr. as my 15th pick in the draft. Could be juniors. Yeah. What, what are we feeling about that? Does that seem... I don't hate it because your 15th round pick is literally... And, and not to make it sound this way, but it's worthless if you think about it. Because if you have to drop someone to pick up someone off of waivers, you would have been doing that with your last pick of the draft anyway. So if Odell Beckham's not ready to go by week one, if he's not projected to go to a team by week one, which I think that's the bigger one, I don't think he's going to play by week one. But if he gets signed somewhere, then he's going to hold value because you'll know what his potential upside is once he's healthy. So if by that point, you know, you're heading into the first week and he's still sitting on a free agency and there's a good chance that he's not going to get signed for a month, you can safely drop him. And you can safely go and pick somebody up off the waiver wire that may have done something in the preseason that, you know, they start to stand out. Or, you know, you know that one of the guys that you just drafted, his role may have changed since uh, the time that you drafted him. So you can go pick up his backup, something like that. It's not a bad it's not a bad pick to take uh, at this point. Like people are taking DeAndre Hopkins in the seventh, eighth round. He's suspended for six weeks. Well, if they've got a good enough wide receiver uh core at you know if they have two three that they can start for six weeks and then they get d hop back who's a top 12 guy 
I mean, you're you're sitting pretty. So it it it's it's a yes. good shot to take, and it's a last round. <laughs> it's a last round shot. So I'll never un- unless it's a guy who's a a bench guy that's sitting, you know, fifth, sixth on the depth chart. It, it's almost always a good shot to take when they have upside like OBJ does. Cool. Um. Uh, yeah. Do you know what you've you've put my mind at rest? Uh, I think I openly uh, said to Dan uh, when we did our show yesterday. I was like, I'll take anything that's not last. So, um, do you know what? I'm I'm feeling good. Thank you, man, for answering my questions. That's uh, very much appreciated. Absolutely. If you need help during the season, hit me up in the DMs. I'm I'm always down to help everybody out. Don't worry about it. Don't say that. I'm annoying. Oh, uh, we'll do it. <laughs> Matty, do it. Gary over there. He's in he's... constantly. <laughs> oh yeah. On, the list of the list of DMs between Ryan and myself for the last week has uh, been insane. The guy is awesome. He will respond and help you no, no matter what. Excellent. I will. Uh, I will annoy you a lot over the season. So uh, thank you very much. The answer. Yeah, the thing is, you'll probably be asking all the same questions I've just asked. <laughs> <laughs> Hey Paul, how you doing, buddy? Um, Sorry, I was just uh, uh, um, comments. One just thing uh, I just need to reply for one comment. Um, cool. Um, I've seen um, your uh, comments. If you've got a question, if you leave it in the comments, and if you want to take part, we do have a call-in show tomorrow, or the fantasy call-in show the first week every month. So we'll answer your questions if you want to leave it in the comments um yeah um for anyone who don't know this is gary Ford. if you're a regular viewer of not just this show or on the network i'm sure you do but um yeah um thanks for joining us gary cheers guys appreciate it how you doing right you know, oh, fantastic man ha- happy to have you on and see if i can answer any more questions that you haven't already sent me uh, I'm not yeah. sure there's any questions I've still got left. <laughs> I'm I'm all the better for seeing you, Gary, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, See, that's, that's no, how just, it, that's just seeing a fellow 49ers fan. That's what we like. Uh, I have just realized I made a critical error here and uh, not worn my 49ers hat. I feel like everyone mm. else is very NFL very, very, attired. Very... Uh, if you notice, we're all teamed up here. That Ryan's maybe, maybe slightly equal bias there. So, do, do you think? Uh, yeah, do, do you not? I'll bear that in mind. Bear that in mind for next time. I'll, I'll be better next time. Sorry. <laughs> Guys, yeah, so Ryan, a couple of things I've got bouncing around now. Obviously, the pup list just popped out. Um, what do you, do you take much notice of them as you're drafting and the pup list have decided to fall and a couple of, uh, you know, one of my one of my RB1s is on the pup list. So it's like, well, do you, do you look to handcuff now if you've still got the chance? Do you kind of just take the pup lists as a bit of pinch of salt? Saying, saying, same handcuffing there, and Matty, and just for everyone else, if everyone's aware what handcuffing is, I'm sure Ryan will go through it in a second. Um, I just noticed I went to handcuff my uh, RB1, and his and the RB2 is also on the puck list. What are you doing kind of situations like that? Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about, too, because you're talking about <laughs> David Dobbins and Gus Edwards, which it's a, it's a really unfortunate situation. But the really good thing about the puck for uh, the preseason, they can come off right now. Uh, I mean, there's yeah. no there's no timeline. Um, you really just got to follow the news when it comes to this. It, if you have roster space, grabbing Tyler Beatty or Mike Davis isn't going to be your, you know, isn't going to be the worst. Um, if you have the roster space, don't don't drop a piece that you know you're going to be able to use, especially since we're pretty much talking dynasty at this point. Unless you guys have already done redraft, which a lot of leagues have, um, you don't want to load up too much with just one backfield, but. If he's your starter, yeah, you really want to try and make sure you secure that that handcuff, which if anybody doesn't know, a handcuff is the immediate backup to the starter that you have at running back. So for J.K. Dobbins, normally that handcuff is Gus Edwards, and it's he's like a rock-solid handcuff. You know if J.K. Dobbins misses and Edwards is healthy, Edwards is getting 80% of the carries at the RB position. So there's some backfields in this league that you don't have a handcuff. It's just not a thing. We don't know because we don't know if they're going to go with the one back mentality or platoon four of them in there and try to replace the starter. But for, in this case, you got to decide between Tyler Beatty and Mike Davis. Um, From what I've heard, J.K. Dobbins, it's going to be really sketchy to see if he starts week one. There is more optimism on Gus Edwards, but that one's been a lot more hush hush. So I don't know if I should, suggest to you to take Gus Edwards or 
go all for the gusto and get Tyler Beatty or Mike Davis. It's it's a really tough situation. If you can hold off, I would, but just continue to listen to the listen to the news, keep your ear to the ground on the Ravens beat reporters because you know that's the one that they're going to be trying to figure out the most. It's their most important position that they're missing right now. It's a bit of a, a bit of a left field one as well. Was the the Rudolph pickup on? Because I know Cameron break tight end on Tampa Bay was starting to get some traction, and then suddenly they go and sign Rudolph on a one year. Um, and I've I've taken a punt with him. Actually, no, I've taken a punt with um, I can't even say their name. Uh, Deguero and Green Bay. Oh, Deguara. Yep. Deguara. Yeah. Because uh, I, I read that Pointon is a, a Pointon is a, a maybe, and I thought you know there's a few last minute tight ends late rounds as you mentioned you know if you've got a good one early worth taking a flyer on yeah that that tight end position in Tampa Bay is really interesting now because I was already pretty much out on break anyways because we've seen that experiment and then you got some news about Kate Otten which it's tough to trust a rookie who especially one that doesn't have super high draft capital but all reports coming out of camp were he was the most impressive of the two, which makes sense. Bray is old, washed, and ready to be shipped out of Tampa Bay, in my opinion. So them bringing in Rudolph tells me that they really don't have a handle on the situation. You're probably going to see them all rotate that starting position, and I don't know if it's worth trying to figure out that roulette wheel of what week is the tight end going to hit the end zone and what tight end is it going to be this week. So it's Even better for it's Brady. Brady's tight end, right? Yeah, it's it's tough because you want that because you know Brady's going to heavily target it. But I think the better shot to take in Tampa Bay right now is Russell Gage because they're missing A.B. And when A.B. was out there last year, I mean, he was a fantasy monster. He was getting tons of targets and they were red zone targets, which are super important for fantasy scoring purposes. So I think his role is just going to be increased. Even when Godwin is back, he's still going to be out there on the field, I think, 80 to 90% of the time. So that's the guy I would hammer at. If you are in drafts right now, I think he's going like ninth, 10th round. He will rise before the end of August most likely, but hammer that pick home because that you could have a you could have a top 24 guy uh, in the ninth, 10th round, and that's I don't think that's too optimistic of projection with uh, the Tampa Bay offense. Especially if he's missing a decent tight end that he can rely on, he's going to be looking for. Mm. Exactly. It's it's going to be very interesting to see where Brady puts the ball this year, uh, especially to start the season without Godwin and no Gronkowski. And a big, heavy Leonard Fournette. Yeah, it might be a lot of Lenny Fournette if he can <laughs> lose the weight. <laughs> he might be doing that with that Lenny for a while. That, that's the weight. Um, and then what was another thing? Um, Obviously, I've, I've been firing over a ton of questions at you, Ryan, but uh, I've started a, a, a new league up for the 49er Faithful UK group, um, and I'm commissioner in it. So a little bit left field, obviously, learning how a commissioner role works for a fantasy football league. You've been kind of helpful on that. Have you got any other tips and tricks? or Is it something that you do, or do you like to just play rather than um, run a league? I know Dan's in a similar sort of position, so I'm guessing he's asked you a few questions too especially since it's like your home league and these are people that you converse with constantly. It makes it a little bit easier because uh, what I try to do when I commission a league is if I commission it, I want it to be people that I know I'm going to converse with a lot. Uh, My home league, basically, whenever I have to make a decision, I will put it out as a poll to the league and let them vote and majority wins. Uh, not mm-hmm. on trades or anything like that. I don't don't be the guy that vetoes trades unless you know it's clear collusion, like somebody's trading Josh Allen for two backup pieces on somebody's bench. You know that that <laughs> team's just trying to tank and help their friend out. You can you can flag that, but we're we're all not smarter than everybody else. Even you know someone like me who does this for a living, I can't just sit there and say, well, you traded Derrick Henry for two running backs that I don't think are worth Derrick Henry's value, and then last year that would have bit me in the butt if I stop that trade so don't be the veto guy just let that be if you have big decisions to change try to change them before the season starts that's that's a big one especially in terms of like scoring format um and roster settings for who you got to start each week um it's really just you got a lot to do everyone's going to come to you for the questions and they're going to want the answers and if you don't want to make that choice solely so that way people start coming after you make it a league vote thing open it up to your league so that way everybody's got to say and if they lose in a vote 
they can't really say too much because they, at least they had their voice heard. That That's the yeah. best advice I can give you as a commissioner. I've been using polls a lot. I'm using the sleeper app and, you know, just firing polls up when there's any sort of decision has worked really well in that one specific league. It's just like I've said to them, you know, if we've got, we've got 12 teams, if we get to seven votes, majority rule wins, that's it. And it's, and it's just made those decisions of what roster size, do we do IDP or not? Do we do trades during the draft? And all those sort of questions that everyone was asking me, and I was just going, hey, put it to a poll. It, it takes that. It's a learning curve for me, so that's really helped. Yeah, it's the best way to do it, too, because you as the commissioner at that point, you basically just have to push things through. And you basically made your own little council in your league where, all right, we kind of all have an understanding. You guys are going to vote. And I, I usually even hold my vote off until last. If we need a tiebreaker, yeah. that's where I'll throw mine in. But you don't have to do that. You know, you have as much voice in your league as you want. But um, I, I love it that way. I think it's worked out very well for uh, the couple of leagues that I do with close family and friends and stuff like that. And mm. uh, when you do that, I feel like people are just more conversive and want to try and make different things happen. So it makes things fun for the next few years as you do it. Yeah, definitely. And it's and it's certainly built already a, a bit of banter and rivalry and a little bit of, you know, some already got that sort of flowing in that league. Um, we're into the, the, the taxi round, as they're calling it, or the rookie round. Um, so that's added a little bit more because we have opened up drafting for those. And so you can see a few interesting drafts have been flying around of people almost foregoing this year for a few years time or whatever so it's certainly an yeah. eye opening and a learning that's what makes dynasty so fun like you you yeah. know the teams that are punting this season and just putting all the stock in the next year i did one earlier this this year a startup where a guy traded his like first four picks in the veteran draft to acquire five to six in the rookie draft and that was just his whole that was his whole draft. mentality draft. is next season basically yeah, he liked this draft class and he stuck seven first round picks into it. So I still somehow got Chris Olave in that draft. So I'm happy about it, but you couldn't get anybody in that first round. If he took seven and you still got Chris Olave, you must have, you must have been happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose having Dynasty Leagues is something, you know, Dan, I know you've been firing some questions out about college and stuff. It makes you kind of do a little bit more research for next year already you're already i'm already looking at the, you know the heisman sort of conversations that are flying around and things like that it's amazing how much having just a little fancy even as it you know there's no money riding on it there's nothing major on it it's all about bragging rights and stuff but it does mean you kind of start to take notice of some of these noises about the you know, heisman trophy and who's the favorites already so yeah i'm, I'm loving that aspect it's opening the game up even more Oh yeah, it's great. And the you pay attention to veteran contracts and all the off-season news actually starts to mean something instead of just a piece you just read while you're on the toilet. It's great. I love it. That's why I love Dynasty. I can, I can't get enough of them, but uh yeah, no, that's the best advice I can give you as for commissioner stuff. Hopefully that helps you. I know starting yeah. out is scary, but uh usually it goes pretty well as long as everybody's on the same page. Um, yeah, um, does that answer your question, Gary? And yeah, yeah, all good. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and thanks for coming along today. No worries, you guys have a good evening. Thanks, buddy. I'll speak to you. Take it easy, Gary. I'll talk to you later, man. Thanks, man. No problem. Oh, um, so this is Chris. Um, people may well know his podcast partner, Rob, a very big part of this network of course of Manova nation thanks for joining us chris thanks guys absolutely happy man. to thanks be here coming on. yeah no problem i'm a uh, little background besides you know we talk a lot of hoops but uh rob and i are huge football fans we've been for a very long time uh we also deal a lot with uh, the sports betting angle too but I've, I've been playing fantasy um for pretty long time uh i don't want to say how long because i'll give away my age but uh needless to say it was uh in the days before the internet when you had to look up in the newspaper the next day to see the stats and things like that so i do I have a little that. bit of, a little bit of background there so perfect you were probably playing when i was just a 12 year old kid trying to get through freaking middle school at that point then so that's great no you've probably. got you've got more tenure than me yeah unfortunately um the last few years, I'm down to basically two leagues, and uh, I don't do keeper leagues and I don't do uh, dynasty leagues. I've just been—I'm a strictly uh, 
one point PPR, one QB uh, league at this point. So that's kind of like what I know. It's what I've been doing for a while. With I've been in the same league with my coworkers for like 15 years, and it's 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 pretty competitive. But that's I just honed in on that on that one aspect for now, and it seems to that uh, seems to have worked for me. So. Yeah, those are some of the best leagues to be in. Uh, my my main league is a redraft league every single year. So we uh, and we've been running it for nine years now, I think, and I've got two yeah. championships in it. So it's 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 hyper competitive. It's my favorite league to do. No offense to any other leagues that I'm in, obviously, but uh, I love those types of leagues. So I I totally get it. You can put your soul focus into it, and it you know it, it makes that one mean so much more. Oh, it's great. And now even you know I have a teenage son, so now he's like starting to ask questions he, he wants to start being involved in it too so it makes it even even better perfect yeah i love that yeah i can't wait till my son gets old enough to want to do it with me but then again i've got going on four kids now so i'll have more than enough time to start teaching them once they yeah. get older there you go okay um, so, um chris um i believe you had a question for Ra. yeah sure so I feel like every year, most people that have a clue of what they're doing have a pretty good handle on on the first, I don't know, let's say in a typical 15-round draft, say your first five rounds, you kind of know what you're looking at, what, what you're trying to accomplish, and you see how the board falls. But I, I always enjoy the later round guys, the sleepers that sometimes make a huge impact uh, on on your team and like for instance last year I'm, I'm a guy I do not like to draft quarterbacks early in a one quarterback one point PPR league that's, that's just me but I know some people do and that's fine but I got Joe Burrow like really late and he made a huge impact on, on my team so like I'm, I'm always looking for those late round guys at each position that can make an impact and when I'm saying late round like round six and, and on. So what, what do you got for this year at, at each position? Ooh, each position. That's good. Yeah, one guy. Give me one guy at each position. I'll give you mine. So I'll start with quarterback. And I think the highest quarterback that I have uh, rated inside my top 12 that's going the latest is Kirk Cousins. I think Kirk <laughs> Cousins was, has a that was real mine. good shot. Oh, perfect. He has a great okay. shot. I mean, with the brand-new OC uh, – or I'm sorry, not OC, brand-new head coach – uh, offensive-minded head coach. This is a team that's going to throw the ball a lot more, and Zimmer just never seemed to work with that Minnesota offense led by Cousins, and I think that this is going to be the year that he finally comes out of his shell a little bit more, and we see more of like that Washington commander, Kirk Cousins, than we did, uh, you know, Minnesota Kirk Cousins, where it's just game manager and not a ton of touchdowns, you know, not flashy. He's okay for fantasy, but not great. Um, I think he's definitely the guy to hammer home in the late rounds. If you're not going super late with like, you know, Jameis Winston or Trevor Lawrence, stuff like that, that's the guy that I'm targeting in that round 10 area as my, my main focus at quarterback. If I want to wait that long. Um, yeah, and I also had cousins at quarterback. Um, so I'll give you my running back. Uh, I, I I'm looking at Raheem uh, Mostert uh, from Miami. I think he's going to get the bulk of the carries there. I know he's had, some injury issues in the past. Um, I wouldn't have him necessarily as my RB1, but I think as a guy, like say you draft Derrick Henry in the first round, I think you can load up and then wait later and get a guy like Moster later on, and I think he provides some value. And I, and I also think with a new head coach, offensive-oriented, I think I'm not a huge Tua guy, but I do see some value in that offense for fantasy purposes. I think they will be a little more explosive. Obviously, they added Hill. Uh, they have Gesicki, Waddle. So they have some pieces there. And I think Moster will, uh, if he stays healthy, I, I think he could give you some value in, in the later rounds. It's so funny that you said Moster because my running back is in Miami, but it's not Moster. It's, it's uh, Chase Edmonds. Oh, I wow. think Chase okay. Edmonds fits the offense perfect. He's got the speed that um, – uh, McDaniel was going to want. He got paid day one, about ten million, I think, uh, per season almost. And then, you know, this is a team that it's going to it, Tua is going to throw the ball uh, at short distances, and his check down target, his first one, is going to be Edmonds. I know everyone kind of thinks it's Waddle, but 
Waddle is going to start opposite of Tyreek Hill, and he's going to mix it in the slot from time to time, but they're going to want to stretch him out wide so that way it makes Tyreek Hill a lot harder to cover. So I think Chase Edmonds is going to get a ton of receptions. I think he fits the offense perfectly. He's got like a 5.1 yards per carry average over his entire career. Now, I don't think he's going to hit 250 carries. I know Mostert's going to mix in, and I know Sony Michelle is going to mix in. But to me, those two are going to really cancel each other out if Edmonds is getting a lot of the receiving work. I think he's going to get the majority of carries, even if it's not by a wide margin. And he's going in the ninth, tenth round right now. So you can get two, three running backs before that, have Edmonds on your bench, and then whenever you need to start him in your flex or throw him in when one of your guys isn't performing the way that you want, I think he's going to be perfect in a PPR format. He's going to get a lot of targets, even if he's not going to get the most – carries on the team and that doesn't shake out the way that i hope it does yeah that's that's a good point about the receptions i didn't even factor that in um uh the next the next guy i'm looking at at receiver um dj moore from carolina uh i think he could be had later on uh again not your wr1 a guy ideally you could use in the flex at times or if you had to use him as your wr2 uh with the quarterback change and I, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Mayfield that's going to it's going to win that supposed battle. I think that's a slight upgrade from Darnold, and I think Moore is going to be the guy. So I, I kind of like him in that offense. I think he'll be a high volume uh, he'll be a high volume producer for what what they have. I know they have Robbie Anderson there, um, but I, I kind of like him uh, in the in the later rounds. He he went. Way up my board as soon as Makefield got there because he was sitting at like wide receiver 20 for me. And now in projections, I got him at wide receiver 13. He's right outside that wide receiver one range for me. And the only thing that's ever held him back is touchdowns. He's always gotten the targets, and it doesn't matter what crappy quarterback it's come from. He's found a way to make them work. Um, but he's never ellipsed for, or eclipsed four touchdowns in a season. I think he has that chance now because I don't think Robbie Anderson is the answer there he's already starting to not mesh well with Baker Mayfield from all reports out of camp, which makes sense because he said he didn't want him there. But I think that's a great pick. A guy that I have been grabbing in like round six or later, and I usually talk about these super late shots, but I'll go with a guy that's on almost every one of my teams is Darnell Mooney. Mooney is the wide receiver one for Chicago. He showed that last season. He's going to have a massive target share in Chicago and they need someone to catch the ball in the end zone. And as much as I love Cole Komet, he had zero touchdowns as a tight end last season with 93 targets. That's going to go up, but Mooney's still going to be the guy to catch most of the touchdowns for them, I think. Um, it may not be a super high total when you look at Justin Fields by the end of the season. Maybe he only throws 18, but there's a good chance that eight of them go Mooney's way. And when you got a guy who's going to have probably 145 to 150 targets, even in a bad offense, they're going to be throwing the ball out in Chicago because their team is not good. So to me, that just screams value. He has the chance to finish inside the top 15. And I think that as my wide receiver three, I can do a lot worse. I agree. I, I, I like that because he's basically their only explosive option too. They don't really have much there. Uh, my yeah, last mean, one wide receivers, nothing. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, um, the last one I halfway at tight end, I know it's kind of a position that's, um, Frustrating at times to fantasy owners, to say the least. Very. Um, I, I like this guy just based purely on talent alone. And I don't know how good the offense is going to be, but I like TJ Hawkinson from Detroit. Uh, he's really, really good. Now, I don't know what you're going to get out of Goff. Uh, I don't know what you're going to get out of that offense. I, I know they drafted Jameson Williams in the first round. I don't know if he's going to be ready to go week one. Uh, St. Brown gave him a little bit last year. He looks like he could be a player, but Hawkinson is really, really good. And I think his volume should increase. And he's a guy, I think that, you know, at tight end, everyone knows the big names, but then when you start to get down the board, it's like, you know, do I, do I take a guy high, like a Kittle or a Kelsey, or do I wait? And then, you know, you're left feeding for the scraps. You know, but I yeah, think he's a guy. He's a guy. I think that has some some definite potential. Well, Hawkinson's going to be great, I think, and it stinks because I haven't been able to get a hold of him in any draft because he's usually going in like round five. But I've seen him go wow. much later, six, seven. So um, 
we never know by the by the time you're drafting in August, he may be going around that Kittle range because he's getting some hype mm. because this offense is going to be better. And when he was healthy last year, he had a very good target share. It's like you said, it's so hard to find that at tight end that, you know, once you got a guy who's had that at least one time in his career, he's going to shoot up the draft boards because people want someone who will get six to seven targets a game potentially. <clears throat> Gary is just calling out all my picks in the comments because he reads everything that I've done and I message him 30 times a day. Uh, but the tight end that I go with all the time, if I can't get somebody within the first six rounds, is Gerald Everett. He's free. He's costing you nothing in drafts. He's going in the 13th round most of the time. And for me, when you take a guy who's as talented as he is, who's been on run-first offenses basically his entire career, or he's been buried on the depth chart behind somebody else, like when he was in L.A. Uh, with Tyler Higby with the Rams, now he has a chance to finally break out. Jared Cook was the starting tight end for the Chargers last season, and he had 82 targets, if I remember correctly. Old man Jared Cook was able to finish as the tight end 16. So you inject some youth and uh you know explosiveness into that tight end position give them the same target share if not a little bit more and that touchdown number is going to go up the yardage numbers are going to go up the reception numbers are going to go up i think that puts him squarely inside that top 12 conversation and you can get him i think his average draft position right now it's risen a little bit over the past month is like 1305 you can get him in the 13th round so you could literally load up on every other position that you need Last round, right before you get your kicker defense in most leagues, you can grab Gerald Everett, and I think you can start him week one and have some confidence that he's going to score you a decent amount of fantasy points. I don't want to get too, too sidetracked, but are, are you somebody that uh, – will you roster two tight ends, or do you strictly just draft one and hope for the best? It really just depends on – this season I haven't done it very much. It really depends on the year. If I like taking the late-round tight end guys, I've got a couple of rosters right now that's got Cole Komet and Gerald Everett on it because if Cole Komet flames out, I want the chance at Gerald Everett because I know if he scores once or twice within the first two weeks, he's going to sit on somebody's roster and he's not going to get dropped most likely. So I try to just get one of those two guys at the very least. I'll leave drafts with either one of them as just the single lone tight end but I don't hate stacking two tight ends or two quarterbacks if you're taking them in round nine plus because you really want to just make sure you're maximizing your uh, your your total of or your chances of it actually working out with one of those late round guys if you take two of them. And if you've got great depth through the first eight, nine rounds at your other two positions, you'll be perfectly fine. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, man. Great um, questions. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for that, Chris. Um, and – Everyone, before we let Chris go, don't forget to check out Chris and Rob's podcast, Nova Nation, of course, part of Let's Talk Sports. And I'm looking forward to having you on um, a few of the things we're working on, Chris. Oh, thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Take care, guys. Take no, it no easy, man. Oh. All right. Um, so, of course, a man that needs no introduction on this network. Paul Carey, thanks for joining me today, Paul. No problem, Dan. How are you today? Uh, yeah, pretty good. I hope you're well. I hope the family's well, Paul. Yeah, we're all good today. We had a good day today. Uh, took my mum down to the beach and uh, got out of the house for a while, and she just absolutely loved it. Uh, bought her an ice cream. My God, that woman can eat ice cream. <laughs> it must be where I get the talent from. Uh, How you doing today, Ryan? Absolutely great, man. How you doing, Paul? Um, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, interesting that tight end conversation you're going on there. I like Hawkinson as well. Really important thing for me in, in that conversation, Hawkinson is playing with a second-year head coach, as is Tyler Conklin. There's a tight end for you. Um, second-year head coaches. I notice you're saying a lot of teams who've got first-year head coaches and how they're going to do it, be doing X, Y, and Z. They are first-year head coaches, and that is going to impact on the teams. But uh, anyway, my you'll guess what my question is going to be about. Uh, so the first question, it's a three-parter. Part one, which Jet players can we confidently draft in, in uh, fantasy? Part two, why is it Brees Hall? And question three, when do we pick him? <laughs> 
<laughs> You're right. Brees Hall was the first name that came to mind. So good job there. I, I think a safe place to take Brees Hall is round four or later. I know that's where his ADP is right now as well. I've seen him taken much higher. I've seen him go in the second round. And it's not a Jets fan. Yeah. It's just they believe that he is going to get a massive workload, which is possible. I mean, Michael Carter is a, is a very good receiving back, but he's he's a jack of all trades, good at all things, not great at any of them. So I don't know what his workload is going to look like. It could be big to start the season and then totally tail off, and he gets five touches a game by the end of it. So Brees Hall is the best pick, obviously, to go for. You can get him in fourth, fifth, sixth round. Um, after that, if you're looking to go for a wide receiver, it's it's a tough choice, right? Because you don't know, is the rookie going to be the one to lead them all? Is it going to be the year two player in uh, Elijah Moore? Or nobody's talking about Corey Davis. He's going undrafted in basically every single redraft league. And Corey Davis, when he was yeah. healthy last year, looked very good. So if you want to go the safe route, take him with your last pick because he's going to be there. I can yeah. almost promise you that. Um out of, the, out of Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, I usually go Elijah Moore. You can get him in the ninth round. And I think at that point, you know, you, the upside is baked into where – and the risk is baked into where it's not going to kill you if he doesn't pan out. Um, you're not missing out on too many terribly, you know, big-name players if you take uh, Elijah Moore over them in the ninth round. Um, but but don't be don't be crazy and take him in, like, the sixth, seventh round. I've seen that too. And it's just like, man, there are so many other names that are locked and loaded, going to give you production – over uh you know a Jets wide receiver right now. Quarterback, I can't I can't confidently say go draft Zach Wilson in a redraft league because you, you, there's only 12 quarterbacks starting every week and it's hard to give a second year player that big of a push. I have a hard time doing that with like Trevor Lawrence. So um <clears throat> excuse me. And then at tight end what, what tight end makes it, he's in. Yeah, it's it's bad, but he's got Peterson now. So I think that's going to change things a little bit more. Um, First year head coach, new system. True, true. But I think anything <laughs> is better than the first year head coach of Urban Meyer. So <laughs> I, I think it's going to work out a little bit better. That's hoping. I hope so. Um, and the, the tight end situation is tough, right? Uh, Conklin is, or I'm sorry, not Conklin. Uzama isn't doing anything right now. He's on the, he entered the offseason here on the pup and he just got put on it the other day. So he's still on the pup for training camp. If he's not going to get on the field anytime soon, Conklin actually has quite a bit of value. He could be a guy that you could take with your last pick if you're looking to throw a dart at a tight end. Um, because if there's anything that the Jets were missing after they got, um, you know, their wide receiver room yeah. figured out, running back room figured out, it's tight end. And they did not have one last year. I think it was Oshog Nessie, I think, or either he was on Jacksonville. I can't remember who was on the Jets last year. That's how bad it was when it comes to the tight end position. And I know depth charts big time. So I love Conklin. I think he proved in Minnesota that he deserves to be a starter. I was surprised that he got yeah. signed after Uzama, but Uzama was like a home run hitting type of tight end. And he's a very good pass blocker. So it makes sense that he's there. Um, but even when Uzama's back, I think Conklin's going to have the highest target share of the two of them. It's just going to be tough to discern which weeks he's going to be startable because when you got two tight ends that are starting, you essentially have no tight ends for fantasy, unfortunately. There's just not enough target share. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, yeah, um, does that answer your question, Paul? Yeah, I think if I'm being honest, you know, there, there are so many targets at the Jets that it, it's difficult to pick any one player out, uh, and that is a massive problem in fantasy. Uh, when, you know, when you've got four or five players that are going to get a share, as opposed to, as, as you said earlier, to, to Chris Darnell, Darnell Mooney at, uh, at at Chicago, he's not going to get a share. He's going to get a monster uh, from from Chicago because he's all they've got. So those are the sort of players in fantasy you're really looking to to get there. But yes, that that definitely answered the question. And uh, thanks for that, Ryan. And uh, I look forward to drafting tomorrow in the league, Dan. Okay, looking forward to it. And thank you for joining us, Paul. And I'll look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Um, yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for that, Paul. Um, so, one um, comment, because I don't like to shy away from comments. Um, I did see this earlier. Um, I do get your point, Paul. Uh, I understand that's how maybe, but one thing that's talk sports do represent is 
diversity. Um, my co-host rang from Jude, who is 14-ish, um, to Dan, who won't mind me saying is 70-ish. I have a co-host, Jackie, who is a female. Jamal was meant to be on here, a coloured man, but um, there was a situation with his kids. So um, there's if one thing what we do, we include everyone. I'm disabled myself, which isn't the same thing, but it's obviously something you can be discriminated against. And I did put a message out asking people to come on. So I can't control who wants to come on and who don't. So I just wanted to put this comment up because I don't hide from comments and I hope that answers your question. No, I, I echo all of your sentiments, Dan. I mean, <clears throat> with all they got to do is look at the community that you have around you on any sort of social media and who you talk to message back. Um, I mean, like you said, it's inclusive to everybody. It's, it's not discriminatory against everybody. And ultimately it's who wants to come on the show. Today's show is basically who wants to come on and ask me fantasy questions. And these are the people that signed up to do it. Nobody else wanted to. So that's what we rolled with. So there's no control in that. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, Hopefully, like Dan said, that answers your question. You can go through Dan's entire backlog of videos on YouTube and see all the different types of guests that he has on and voices for uh, the entire Let's Talk Sports community, not just the fantasy community of a uh, portion of it. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's just how I do look. Um, I sometimes beg people to come on these call-in shows. Uh, um, yeah, um, it's just whoever will turn up. Um, we'll do some there's a lot of comments, so we'll do a quick far through them to cover them because I've got Sharon and Az to answer. Um, Bobkin says, who would you pick at fourth overall in a 12-man league? Just for Nick, Nikhil Harry. We'll move on to the next question. Okay. Um, and, um, yeah, um, Matty was asking for 49 as faithful UK flag, which um, I can't help with, but Paul can. Um, so he uh, sorted that out. And uh, Bodkin's ads, hopefully, since the Packers are headed to London, you will see good football and jump on the bandwagon. Um, yeah, they'll have to get a wide receiver first, is my first. Okay. Yeah, see, they'll, they'll lose that game, too. <laughs> and um, Bodkin's ads, he's all in on the gate. Crane. I agree with that. I think there's great value there for fantasy. Um, yeah, um, and Paul just echoes pretty much what we said about uh, diverse and inclusive, which um, I do try and include everyone so we'll leave it at that and um yeah i just want to a few um things of uh no um we've got a few things planned this week we've got a live graph this thursday um for the co-host league so that should be a little fun and uh, get a little bit wild i'm sure um so um, a few things with regard to the tight end for the Fantasy Football University. Our sponsor, uh, well, one of our sponsors for the event, uh, draftkits.co, are going to donate actually free kits to that. So what I'm probably going to do is give one away um, to someone what comments on every one of the episodes and do it that way we me and ryan will pick someone in the community what we feel is worthy and the other one is someone what treats every retreats every episode so i think they're all easily attainable and it's getting something so um what can help you with your fantasy lineup so um yeah um, i'm looking forward to um 
it, we're just less than two weeks away and uh, before we wrap things up um another 49 is found in the community um so we thank um them for their support a recent subscriber to us and um yeah um i think that's pretty much it other than uh, to thank Rob, we kept Ryan busy today. So I uh, thank you, Ryan. Absolutely, Dan. I love. The, I think I like these shows the most out of any ones that we do because I just love being able to answer some of the questions that people have that I don't personally think of when I try to write my articles and uh, you know give information in a different way than uh, what most of the fantasy community is doing in the writers community. So I love these shows. Anybody that wants to come on to them is more than happy to do so and. Uh, if you guys ever have questions when we're not on the show, shoot me a DM. Uh, my Twitter handle is right at the bottom of the screen there, at TripleFTP. Um, Facebook, I got my Facebook page, Fantasy Football for the People. Um, and I will always, you know, like Gary, Gary's a testament to it, basically. I'll always answer you as soon as I get the chance and uh, do my best to help you win your fantasy leagues. Yeah, everyone be sure to check out Fantasy Football for the People. And one final thing, sir. I've been reached out by a podcast agency which has asked me with the growing um, Twitter following and so forth, listen to some of my stuff. I'll be going on different podcasts as a guest. They um, said, would I be willing to, which will only promote the community. And I'm going to be honest, took me a little back, but um, yeah, I'm excited for the opportunity. Yes, guys, go, and I'm sure Dan will share it all, but go support Dan on these other podcasts too because, you know, at the end of the day, you might love to see the the different co-hosts and stuff that come on, but Dan's the one in almost every single show that happens. He's the one who makes this wheel turn, and he deserves all the support that you guys can give him for creating this fantastic community that we're all in. So go support him on whatever those are. I know I will be. Uh, whatever show he comes up on and congratulations on the opportunity man it's been a long time coming i'm happy to hear that you're finally able to do some other shows no no problem at all um so yeah everyone please do join us on thursday it'll be a hectic show and yeah um we've got a lot going on at let's talk sports and um i'm excited for the future and that's the perfect place to finish the episode over then to say until next time, let's talk sport friends.